Veteran of three foreign wars, entrepreneur, and warrior poet, Tony Arterburn takes on the issues facing our country, civilization, and planet. This is the Arterburn Radio Transmission. about what is our common bond truly freedom freedom without freedom you can't be a christian no matter what denomination you belong to you can't be a buddhist you can't own a donut shop you can't drive from here to oregon you can't be an american because that's what it's all about, and that's the only thing that it's all about. Nothing else. Nothing else. It's about freedom. All right, I've got my tea. I've got Beans the Brave in studio. That means we're going to have a, a good transmission today. It's Friday, the 3rd of March, year of our Lord, 2023. It's the day after Texas Independence Day. Did everybody have a good... Did you know that was going on? Texas Independence Day, March 2nd, 1836. Also, side note, it is the birthday of Sam Houston, who was the official first president of Texas. I, I don't know if that's a coincidence. I don't believe I'm not a coincidence theorist. I think things happen for a reason. And there's a reason that I name my son, my one and only son. I named him Houston. All right, folks. Well, we're here in the wisewolfgoldandsilver.com studios. I debated doing a show today because I've had allergies and I don't know if I'm being murdered by gang, gain of function or if it's just uh, chemtrails plus pollen plus whatever, you know, things from Ohio blowing in. I, I don't know. <laughs> so I decided I, I had enough Advil and I'm good. Uh, so I'm going to do the show and always broadcasting in defiance of globalist goblins, the neocons, the new world order, the build back better, Biden, Beelzebub, Baphomet, Bilderberg, Bankster Bunch. And I didn't miss anything on that. So I think I'm okay. Uh, I think this is the, my weekly cognitive test. If I can do an hour of radio uh, with running a business, uh, and taking care of beans, then uh, that I'm doing okay mentally. At least that's the theory. You guys might want to correct me after the show, but I appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, I glean the headlines as I normally do to see if we could learn anything. Uh, I don't know if we're going to learn much. Uh, you know, and I thought about just doing a stream of consciousness show. Um, it's one thing I learned from some of the greats like Michael Savage. He'd always talk about how, you know, he would get a newspaper about 10 minutes prior to going live. And this is a three hour show. He'd just get one newspaper. I think he'd get like the San Francisco Chronicle or something. He'd just lay it out and then he'd just talk about that during the show. And that was his, that was the way he, you know, he just needed a jumping off point, you know, something to, something to spark an interest, something to talk about. And that's kind of how I am. Uh, some of my best shows are that way. But, you know, we, we have so much to cover. So it's like balancing the, the zeitgeist, which is the spirit of the age, 
and uh you know things that that might be interesting as opposed to headlines so maybe we'll just do a, a little bit of both i was thinking today on as i was driving in you know so i'm in the precious metals business and i didn't intend for my business to be in the position it's in now i know that sounds crazy uh like oh well you you, you kind of walked into it it wasn't like that it's just more of the 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 way that it's run now, the what it what it services. I mean, nationwide and doing all the the wolf pack and the memberships, and we're we're getting we're got hundreds of members now across the across the country. And I didn't intend that. And I think people might mistake me for someone who just really, really believes in precious metals. I mean, I believe in them, but that's not the primary reason that I did this business or started my business from scratch from zero. It's not the reason I got into this. And we're going to talk a little bit about this today because of the news that's on the horizon. The reason I got into precious metals is because I don't believe in this current system. I don't believe in it. I don't buy stock in it. Um, I don't think that it's going to last. I don't think that it's built to last. I think that it's built to fail. The dollar is built to, to uh, enrich those at the very top and to make poor those who are chasing those green pieces of paper known as fiat currency, the Luciferian bankster notes. I don't believe in that system. I think that system props up war. I think it props up uh, a, a political class that is thirsty for power uh, and their own egos and hubris. It, it feeds it like mother's milk. And you talk about the deep state, you don't have a deep state without the fiat currency system. You just don't. You don't have you don't have the corruption that we have in our modern era without fiat currency. And some people will say, yeah, but Tony, there's always been corruption in politics. Yeah, I'm, I'm well aware of that. I'm well aware of that. But um, have you seen the 20th century? Did you read your history? You know, the systematic slaughter of people that's never happened on an industrial scale. You know, there's an article up and let's just jump to this and we're going to talk about C CBDC. I've got some other headlines about the, the UK wanted to murder cats, which, you know, does that surprise you? And of course, we'll talk about uh, <laughs> what does Trump call DeSantis uh, Governor Meatball or something like that? I mean, both of them are ridiculous, but uh, we'll talk about DeSantis and his uh, having you register as a blogger. But this is an article. It was linked on Drudge. I guess this is just par for the course. If you're listening to my show, you know, I'm you, I didn't even plan on start starting with this article, but uh, the, the conversation is pointing that direction. So here we go. Uh, 70 years after death, Stalin's polarizing legacy looms large. This is up on Reuters. Uh, on the eve of the 70th anniversary of Joseph, Stal Joseph Stalin's death, attitudes to the Soviet Union's wartime leader remain mixed in the nation he once ruled with an iron fist. Well, they're mixed, uh, which is which is surprising. It's like we we so miss our national Soviet glory that we're willing to forgive the guy who starved out millions, sent more countless millions to the Gulag archipelago, who had his rivals. Not only see if you were a rival of Joseph Stalin, and by the way. I don't know if this art, I didn't read the entire thing, but I don't know if they got it right. But Joseph Stalin, you know what he was before he became the man of steel? He, 
we'll talk. I think they have his real name in here. Uh, his name wasn't Stalin. Stalin means steel. You know what he was? He was an he was a meteorologist. I'm not kidding. He was a weatherman. <laughs> he was a, a an amateur weatherman before he decided to get into uh, Bolshevism and murder. So anyway, this this article um, talks about how the Russian people are looking more favorably at Stalin. Uh, during the three decades of dictatorial rule, Stalin oversaw rapid industrialization and victory over the Nazis, but also the deaths of millions in purges, gulag labor camps, and famine. With Russia embroiled in conflict again in Ukraine, and what the Kremlin says is a fresh existential battle for national survival, well, that is true. That, that, I'll give them that. That's, uh, this is the reason that there's a war in Ukraine is because we have psychopaths that expanded NATO and broke their, our, our, the promise that we gave Gorbachev in 1991. Just saying. That's, I mean, we've been expanding it ever. It's, it is an existential threat because we're parking bio labs and whatever co company Hunter Biden is using to, <laughs> to launder money from on the border. Uh, firstly, firstly, thank you for the victory in World War II, said 21-year-old Bandina in a typically mixed view of Stalin's legacy among people on the streets of Moscow. Secondly, he is a negative person for me because there were a lot of deaths, a lot of executions, shootings, expulsions, uh, arts were banned, etc. So it's impossible to have a clear position one way or the other, she added. Well, who you should actually thank for your victory, and, and there was millions, by the way, when Americans talk about winning World War II, we had this Lend-Lease program. FDR was so much uh, in favor of giving all the, the, the weapons and armaments and aid to Stalin. A little bit of backdrop of that because you're never going to hear this in mainline history courses or anywhere in the mainstream media because they don't even read history. They read teleprompters. But if you look at the history of, of World War II and how we got to where we were backing Stalin, first of all, the, the war started out in... And again, I want to talk about this because it's a backdrop to this article. The war started out in 1939 because Hitler invaded Poland. So the British declared war on Germany, not the other way around. And the reason that and there's a whole bunch of reasons for the invasion of Poland. But at the time, they, Hitler and Stalin had a, a mutually assured pact. Like they had a, a peace treaty, if you want to call the Pact of Steel. And uh, after Hitler invaded Poland, a big chunk of Poland was given to Stalin, right? They actually were, you know, simultaneously invading it. And then uh, once, you know, in 1941 in Operation Barbarossa, in June of 41, Hitler invaded uh, the Soviet Union, which was always his goal, which did, did nobody read Mein Kampf? It's in Mein Kampf. It's what he, he wanted, Lebensstrom. He wanted living space uh, for the German people. So he was going to conquer and he hated Marxists and Bolsheviks and Soviets and all that stuff. So he invaded, right? Well, the key backdrop, if you actually read your history, was that the United States State Department was not in favor of giving any weapons or any assistance to Great Britain. Uh, you know, you had the, the finest hour and the Battle of Britain and, and Churchill and all that, all the rhetoric. Help didn't come until Hitler invaded the Soviet Union. And you know why? Because Joseph McCarthy was right. The State Department was full of communists. We know this now. We know about people like Alger Hiss, who was the right-hand man 
to FDR at Yalta that was exposed by Richard Nixon for being a complete Soviet spy. Oh, by the way, he was the first head of the United Nations. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> I think Pat Buchanan uh, joked one time that he would have been a, a great correspondent for MSNBC, which he would have been. He would have been celebrated because that's what they love is communism. So if you want to know like why the U.S. started dumping in uh, untold millions and support and tanks and weapons and everything else is because Hitler had made a mistake. He attacked communism, right? He attacked the Soviet Union. So it had to be, it had to be defended. And yeah, they just offered up uh, the sons of Russia. I mean, just talking about millions and millions dead. And you, you see like movies like Enemy at the Gate where the, the Russians would be out front. And uh, if there was too much, you know, pushback from the Germans. If they were retreating, the the Russians would gun them down. I mean, that's how bloody it was. That's why these psychopaths that are constantly getting us on the brink of war. Do you know what war is? You know, you sleep safely in your bed at night because you're part of the elites, and you all have the same circle. If you never get, you never have to worry about financial ruin or anything hurting you. you you're, you're, you don't sacrifice your children on the altar of war, so you never really get bothered by that. Do you know how horrible this is? Have you, have you ever read history? And I, I, I get lost in that. But this is something I saw this article and I wanted to talk a little bit more about it. And I don't know uh, because it was last minute right before we went live. And I didn't know that if they talked about, you know, Stalin dying in front of Khrushchev and uh, he, he died like of a stroke or something like that. And he literally, from what I understand, there was two or three people in the room and they just watched him die. I mean, no one helped him. They just looked at him, you know, because they knew the power was shifting away. Looks like he, uh, he died on March 5th, 1953, age 74. Uh, though public commemorations remain largely taboo and streets no longer bear his name, his reputation has in recent years undergone something of a renaissance. And this is just because people don't have any historical sense. And that's whether you're in people in Russia and Ukraine have a lot more historical sense than people in the United States by and large, or in the West in general. If you've ever talked to someone uh, from that area of the Eastern Europe, way more historically literate than your average American. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're get everything right. Uh, polls in 2021 by Russia's Levda Center, for example, showed 45% expressing respect for Stalin while 48% backed installing monuments to him. Wow. Why should I have a bad attitude towards him, said Moscow resident Andrea, 31, praising Stalin as a strong, unifying personality whose war victory should be lauded. Again, not taking anything away from the Russian people, but it was the United States pouring in tons and tons of weapons and munitions and aid that kept that war machine going. I mean, if it had not been for the United States pouring that in, um, Hitler would have taken Stalingrad. That's probably, I mean, it's one of those what ifs. Has nothing to do with takeaway from the bravery of people, you know. And again, the <laughs> Napoleon found this out the hard way. Uh, Hitler found out even harder, you know, with his invasion of Russia. And uh, it looks like, you know, our elites are just going to uh, blunder into the same thing. Uh, God forbid. Um, since the start of the conflict in Ukraine, the Kremlin, which says it's fighting Ukrainian neo-Nazis, which it is, 
uh, has sought to claim Stalin's wartime mantle, portraying its campaign as putting the end to unfinished business from World War II. And Stalin was born in Georgia. And that's where he learned to be a weatherman. And uh, I think, wasn't he a seminarian, kind of like Lenin was? In February, Putin visited uh, Volograd, which was briefly renamed Stalingrad, to commemorate the 80th anniversary of the battle that was the turning point in the war. Unfortunately, we see the ideology of Nazism in its modern form and manifestation again directly threatens the security of our country, said Vladimir Putin. Well, he's not wrong. I mean, the, the mainstream media, uh, their job is to uh, uh, promote the state. I mean, can we all agree on that now? They don't even do journalism anymore. And the one time that they actually accidentally blunder into it, they get put on the Ukrainian kill list. I've got a story for that later. <laughs> Like the, the, you could, the wonderful, freedom-loving Ukrainian government uh, will put you on a kill list if you speak out against the T-shirt man or uh, the fact that they constantly need billions of dollars or whatever else is going, or they're dra dragging us all into uh, Armageddon. Ukraine says Putin is showing the same genocidal brutality as Stalin. So that's what uh, Ukraine says. Well. Anyway, the, the point of the article is, is that uh, people, and you, you know, enough time passes, people lose their historical sense. You know, they, they don't have people directly that were associated with uh, being sent off to a labor camp. Or, well, here's an interesting thing that happened to you if you oppose Stalin. I don't know if this is ever taught in schools, but he, uh, if he took a, a dislike to you, most likely you're going to die. Um, even if I always thought it'd be, you know, a bad idea to disagree with him on like how much precipitation or the, the rainfall, especially since he was like, if you wanted to get into an argument with him, that'd be pretty bad. But what he would do is he would not only have you killed. That's pretty much, that's the, the only the beginning. Um, then he would have you shamed and then he would have you erased and he'd have archivists go back through all the official photos of the Soviet Union, if you were connected to the state in any way, and he would have you airbrushed out. So not only were you dead, not only did you get disgraced, but you'd be airbrushed out of history. And that's the great battle like they had in, in communism. You know, Stalin represented the, I think, you know, especially in the same way with the uh, the Nazi death camps, he, he represented the banality of evil. If, if you've ever read a, a biography on him, he's not really interesting. He's a, a cold, calculating bureaucrat. If you ever heard the term banality, of there's no fire. There's no revolutionary spirit. It's just an iceberg, right? It's just slowly engulfing the population. His rival was Leon Trotsky. Trotsky would go on to, you know, he was a big revolutionary. You know, if you've ever heard that uh, quote from him, like the, you know, when he says, when I speak of red, I mean, red, like the, the blood, the blood will flow through the streets. And we have the bankers and we have, you know, all these people that are going to support our revolution. He wanted a worldwide communist revolution, but it was more of an idealistic, you know, from the, even well, from the dark heart of Leon Trotsky. Stalin had none of those things. And that's why he had um, Trotsky murdered in Mexico with an ice pick. Um, fun fact, 
Uh, most of the conservative, I'm putting this in quote, conservative commentators, writers, National Review, um, anybody associated with the Bush administration and the higher levels all track back to having ideological roots tied to Leon Trotsky. Did you know that? That's why they're called neocons. Uh, Irving Kristol, father of Bill Kristol, was a devout Trotskyite. And Trotskyites believed in the perpetual revolution. So that's why you get talk radio doesn't even know what it is anymore. Like the conservative side of that, they just, they just quote things like, Oh, we, we have to have us. We have to be bombing people to be a great country. We have to constantly be invading people to be a great country. We have to, you know, remake the world for democracy. Do you see, they just replace socialism with democracy and that's where they get their revolutionary spirit. It comes from Leon Trotsky. I've written about this many, many times. Um, and that's the two sides. So you get the, uh, you get the Stalin side and you get the Trotsky side. Both of them are bad. Both of them lead to death. And I think we've um, carried the Trotsky experiment pretty far here in the Republican Party for many, many years. I've been speaking out against it uh, since I've been put in front of a microphone uh, almost a decade ago. So uh, that's a, the first story of the, the day. I hope you guys liked it. I hope uh, we just started talking to 21 minutes on, on Stalin's death camps. All right, let's just let's go into some... Um, more current things so you can learn about why I go on the air and why I'm not betting on this current reality. So everything I do is a, I'm shorting the future of fake. I'm shorting it. I'm betting against it. You see what I mean? I'm not really betting on myself or what I believe. I'm just betting against the system because I think it's broken. And I think by design, it's supposed to fail. That way, the people that are going to reap a harvest from it, the controlled demolition of the American empire, uh, they know this too. The, the culminating evil, if you will, uh, that is going to come out of the 1913 abomination known as the Federal Reserve, its in-game product, and this is all central banks, is a central bank digital currency the CBDC. It is the most important thing that I could ever talk about or will ever talk about because this is going to define whether or not we have a future, whether there's politics, whether there's speech, you know, Ron DeSantis notwithstanding <laughs> or, the, or Florida, you know, we'll, we'll cover that later. This is, for, this is for all the marbles. As my friend Charlie Robinson said, uh, this is the hill to die on. I mean, this is going to affect whether I have a business. Uh, whether I can trade or not. And this is the central bank digital currency. That's why you need to pay attention. It's just now. See, I've been talking this, about this for over a year or so, maybe more. Um, and it's just now starting to get a tiny bit of traction in conservative um, you know, areas and the Republican Party's kind of talking about it. You've got that one uh, uh, senator who is... Um, putting in, putting out bills to curtail it. I don't want it at all. I don't think there should be any sort of blockchain technology tied to the Fed because I want the Fed gone. Uh, but besides the fact that people are talking about it, and this is zero hedge, U.S. Treasury introduces CBDC working group and discusses potential routes for digital dollar. And this was originally on um, Bitcoin magazine. Uh, the U.S. Department of Treasury has uh, released comments 
from Undersecretary for Domestic Finance, Nellie Liang, on the next steps for the future of money and payments, addressing CBDCs and the approach the American government is taking to their potential implementation. The original Treasury report released in September 2022 describes the formation of a central bank digital currency working group that would advance work on the CBDC. One of the central bank's tasks for the CBDC working group is to complement the Fed's work by considering the implications of a U.S. CBDC for policy objectives for which a broader administrative perspective is helpful. Okay, that's that's a bunch of words. Um, it's, it's, that that fills a sentence. Did it say anything? Um, no, it just keeps. Look, they're they're slowly getting their tentacles into things, and this is going to be very. I mean, it's going to be gradual, like, and and all of a sudden you're going to have it, and they're going to put it. And just like Biden did that executive order about a year ago, he gave the uh, departments uh, one, six months to report back on how they would implement. This is the executive branch in totality how they would implement a central bank digital currency. Uh, She says, to give you a sense of how we are pursuing this work, I will describe our approach to thinking about CBDC options, the policy questions we are attempting to answer, and the kinds of recommendations we hope to develop. Okay, thank you for that. Um, Again, this is reading these bureaucrats. They, they They must have to go to a special school to develop that sort of linguistics where you can say a thousand words and nothing got said. That's a huge talent. I don't know. I could say words. I, most of my stuff means something, at least when I'm reading it. Um, highlights from this description include a look at the potential forms of CBD, what CBDC would take, the potential for a separate retail and wholesale CBDC, and the possible core features of the CBDC. Um, In his piece for Bitcoin Magazine, Mark Goodwin described how Bitcoiners may have spent too much time looking for CBDCs. We miss the private entity stablecoin monster right in front of our eyes. See, that's another thing is mixing these stablecoins and, you know, they they put out these like the the Sam Bankman fried guy, you know, and they put out that and FTX and you have the head of the Bank of International Settlements. Um, and and also <laughs> 19th century uh, uh, banker caricature of, of, <laughs> of Bank of International. If you ever go see a picture of the guy, uh, he looks like the cover of that Warrant album from that 80s band Warrant. He looks like the, the dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking rich guy. He looks exactly like that. He just needs a cigar. Um, but he said that the battle for crypto and fiat, fiat already destroyed crypto so he's already calling he's spiking the football and says that fiat beat cbs beat the crypto markets and then you know obviously the future is central bank digital currency i think they've done a pretty good job at uh doing the controlled demolition setting up the failures showing taking you know building up this massive hype in crypto which you guys know i love crypto I, i think it's great you know i think you should have private money, private tokens, private everything. I love decentralization. Um, I like Bitcoin. I like some privacy tokens, all that stuff. Um, but this big crash when, you know, you know, you know that you're in the wrong market and this is nothing against the regular people or, you know, but when people start telling you they're investing in something, it's, it's probably start, start cashing out. I know that's cynical. 
but that's really usually how it goes. And so they, they've tanked the, the, the crypto markets. We're in a crypto winter. And that's the opportunity for these central bank digital currencies. They always have to come as a, a savior, right? It's, it's problem, reaction, solution, right? Or the Hegelian dialectic. You have one thing that appears as thesis and another thing appears as antithesis. And, you know, with the elite, they already know what they want to be the synthesis. They just have these two things oppose until they reach it. So they usually present the antithesis, right? Uh, or they have the problem. They create the reaction, but they already know what the solution is. And the solution for them, the, the granddaddy thing of them all, right? The, the coup de grace, right? The holy grail for the elite is a central bank digital currency. It's everything. I mean, the, most our entire reality in the West, especially, but all around the world, is driven by fake money. It's driven by fake money, makes fake politicians, fake news, fake wars. It's real to us because we have real-world consequences for these psychopaths creating all this currency out of thin air. So buildings are built that shouldn't be built. Wars are fought that shouldn't be fought. People that are people become successful that should have never been successful. Uh, politicians are propped up that should have never been because you have an endless printing press. Where would the billions for Ukraine from the Biden administration, from the regime, where would that come from if you had to account for it? If you had to write a check against assets, if you had a gold standard or a bimetallic standard or any standard whatsoever, that the answer is there wouldn't be. Um, but that's what you get away with, with fiat currency. So as I look at this and process some of these stories, the reason I bring this to your attention is that they will be pushing this harder and harder as the months go by there's going to be more of these stories that drip they're going to have more um, working groups policy reforms they're going to be anybody that goes after it they're going to speak out against you'll start seeing it roll into your entertainment sections your late night host and you know just like stephen colbert had the little dancing uh, syringes and everything uh to go get your trump shot you know just how they supported that you're going to have the same thing uh, for CBDC, because that's how they roll everything out. And it'll be, it'll be the solution to something. It won't happen in a vacuum. And that's what you need to pay attention to, because they're going to create something, the crisis of something to get you to partake in this. And um, that's why we have to be at the grassroots level. I'll, I'll be actually filling in for uh, the great David Knight on next Tuesday. And Wednesday, it's coming Tuesday and Wednesday, because he's going to be in the Tennessee legislature uh, speaking on central bank digital currency, because Tennessee is one of those states that is uh, looking to build their own state bank and take gold and silver as legal tender. That is, that is really the, the work that we have to do. And as we can see from headlines like this one, I'll pull this up. Um, this is the the Florida bill that would require bloggers to write about who write about the governor to register with the state. And you know, how much of this is fluff and how much this is actually coming from DeSantis. I don't know, but he obviously knows about it. You know, this is something that he's going to have to account for. And the point of this and what I was getting to is that it's going to come from us speaking out and doing things on the grassroots level, 
promoting things that are decentralized, trading with each other. It's one of the reasons I built Wolfpack, wolfpack.gold. It's going to be more and more, it's going to turn into us communicating with each other, not just the subscription programs and, you know, set it and forget it and all that good stuff so we can get you medals. It'll be more of a, we're going to build a network because I'm betting against the system. I have no faith in that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to have to account someday for my soul. I'm not, I'm not with them, right? Even if it means I lose everything, I'd rather lose everything and be on the right side of history uh, than on the left side of history. I th nobody uses that term. Some, somebody ought to use it. Put that on a t-shirt. So I don't want to be on the left side of history. <laughs> we should do that. Write that down. <laughs> Tell my crew to write down the left side of history so I don't forget. And this is what I'm talking about. The Florida bill would require bloggers to write about to write about the governor to register. Florida Senator Jason Broder wants bloggers who write about Governor DeSantis, Attorney General Ashley Moody, and other members of the Florida Executive Cabinet or legislator to legislature to register with the state or face fines. This is Senate Bill 1316 on information dissemination would require any blogger writing about government officials to register with the Florida Office of Legislative Services or the Commission on Ethics. In the bill, Broder wrote that those who write an article, a story, or series of stories about the governor, the lieutenant governor, a cabinet officer, any member of the legislature and receives or will receive payment for doing so must register with the state within five days after the publication of an article that mentions the elected state official. In another blog post, if another blog post is added to the blog, the blogger would be required to submit monthly reports on the 10th of each month with the appropriate state office. Well, you know, maybe we should call Senator Broder and ask him, uh, all of those white crosses in veteran cemeteries where some of my friends are? Did they, did they fight and die for this? Did we come all the way from Valley Forge and Omaha Beach? Did we, did we do this for this so we could register our speech with the state? And this will get, they'll get away with some of this stuff because people will have their MAGA hat on and you have the R next to his name. Does this make you sick? And this is what I'm talking about. You start putting your faith in one person or like Ron DeSantis runs the state. And I don't know if Jason Broder is trying to tank Ron DeSantis because if DeSantis gets into this bill and signs it or even publicly endorses any part of it, uh, not only is, I mean, he, he will be opposed and rightly so he'll lose and right and rightly so I'll oppose him. I, I really didn't have a dog in the fight anyway, but doesn't that make you sick? Is this what is this what we've sacrificed everything for this country so we could get here and have some political hack, some dead-eyed automaton servant to multinational corporations and donors uh, to tell me that I need to register with the state or pay a fine if I want to write about some uh, servant who's supposed to do what we tell them to do anyway? You know they they have the the thing in that um, Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> the Hollywood for ugly people is Washington, D.C. Um, sort of. But you're unimportant. 
Elected officials are not heroes. My postman is more, more important than the person who crafts legislation. You should just do what we say. You are a servant. The janitor is more important than you. They have a better function. And these self-important people with these egos, and people are, look, the people, if you, if you have someone who's afraid of speech, they're afraid of the truth. One of the things I loved when I ran for office, and I, I love to watch the others cringe. I love to see the look on their face when we have, like, open question time. And I would say, uh, ask me anything. Anything. I don't have to prepare for it. You know why? Because I already believe it. I already know it. It's in my, I've already done the homework and thought it through. And if I really don't know something, I'll just tell you. I'll be honest. I don't know that. I, I'll, I'll look into that. But I always usually did know. Because if it's any major subject, I've thought about it. Unlike a lot. And they have to, you know, triangulate and figure out their note cards. But it, the minute people stop voting in these sociopaths who are power hungry, who care nothing about the truth or our First Amendment or decency, when we stop doing that, stop rewarding these people because they have an R next to their name. This is disgusting. What an insult to everyone who has ever swore an oath to the Constitution of the United States of America to defend it against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and given their sacrifice, their time, their health, their mental well-being, a lot of their spirit, or their life. And what do you, what does that document mean? If we don't have, if there is no freedom, then what is all this for? And we've lost so much of it. It's been a very, very well-crafted psychological and spiritual operation to take away everything that's been good about this country. Now I tell young people, I'm like, there used to be a place called America. I lived in it. You know, the, the elites, the Satanists used to have to hide. They don't hide anymore. They're not afraid anymore. They just come right out and say, this is what we're doing. They used to do it in very complicated ways. They, they plant things in entertainment and they were like, Oh, here's the revelation of the method. And if you look back, you can see, you know, <laughs> Neo's passport in the matrix expires on September 11, 2001, but you didn't see that we put that there, all that kind of stuff. Come get us. Now they just do it. And then you got the people in the GOP. One of the reasons I'm not a Republican. How can you stand with this? I mean, people flock to Florida to get away from the COVID-1984 restrictions only to wind up in the same state as this idiot. <laughs> what, what kind of fresh hell is this? Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. <laughs> you know, there, there will come a time when I will pound on the desk and scream again. I will do that. I did that back in, uh, in 2020, just wondering why Trump wouldn't crush the Marxists. Why are you letting people bring pallets of bricks and George Soros and funding and sending People back and forth and plane loads of, uh, you know, revolutionaries and Antifa, you know, to burn down cities. Oh, well, I figured it out later because he didn't care. That's why. I guess it'll come again. All right. Well, we'll move on. So you guys know about that story. And uh, we got 20 minutes left. I, I didn't go to the Rockfin chat. Let's see what we got today. Uh, sorry, I, I missed you guys. Uh, if you go to uh, the... Rockfin, R-O-K-F-I-N.com, and you look at America Unplugged, you will see 
the channel that I'm on with uh, the great Billy Ray Valentine, the legendary Don Jeffries. We do a show called America Unplugged. And I'm uh, so proud of that show. we got a great podcast, America Unplugged. You can find all of Don Jeffries' works there. Um, let's see. Uh, Little John is in the chat. Tom Cooper, always good to see you, Tom. Harp's in the chat. Uh, Rhonda Tate, wonderful lady. Thanks, Rhonda, for being here. Uh, I know I, I won't have a bad show if, all, if my regular crew's here. Uh, any word is in the chat. Patrick S., Sorry, I don't have a, a bunch of time or I make sure I, I know somebody tipped me in there. Someday I'll have a producer, I'll, just like Mark Levin has. Mr. Producer, I'll get one of those guys. <laughs> Angus Mustang tipped $20, says, nice David Knight coffee mug. How about some Paratruther coffee mugs? Coming soon. I just had the logo redone. And I think you guys are going to like it. And maybe I'll, I'll throw it out uh, on the next show. And some new paratroopers coming soon. I'm, I'm trying to get it to where I do. Um, oh, and I should have. This is a little bit of house cleaning. So the paratrooper podcast feed and art and Arterburn radio transmission, they're going to start mirroring each other. This is going to be the same feed. I'm going to try to make it to the where the same shows are the same thing. So go and subscribe to uh, to paratrooper as well if you haven't. Um, just in it's a backup, uh, but it's a that's a great brand. All right. Appreciate everybody who's in the chat. Thanks for the, the support. Yeah, uh, Angus Mustang says DeSantis is another Trump. Maybe not quite as bad, but getting there, getting there. Um, and that's what I'm talking about. It's like we, we're so starved in this country to have anybody help us. You know, we'll look for anybody. You know what I mean? Most people are like, well, maybe Elon Musk is going to help us. <laughs> we're just look. we're so like, you know, especially if you, if you just want to be left alone. And, and have a country that's sane and not run by lunatics and Luciferian, Luciferian lunatics uh, and Marxist, then, you know, you can, I mean, it's just, you're, you're starved of it. We really are. And the headlines, I mean, yeah, I could do a show off of like 1995 headlines. It wouldn't be all that much stuff to talk about. We'd probably talk about some conspiracy, talk about some history. You know, we talk about Oklahoma City, stuff like that. I could do, I could, I could be a radio host in 1995. But I don't even have to work now. I mean, there's not enough, in an hour of radio, it's not enough, not even close. I don't have to stop talking because there is literally just, I won't even get to all the stories that I highlighted today. And uh, since I did promise, let's, let's talk about, this NBC reporter, because this is when I'm when I'm referencing the mainstream media accidentally get things they get things right. It's literally by accident. But I wanted you to hear what happened to this guy. NBC reporter goes to Crimea and shocks viewers by telling the truth. Mainstream media correspondents for major U.S. networks rarely, if ever, report from inside Crimea and certainly are nowhere near Russian-held territory in eastern Ukraine. However, this week, NBC News Chief International Correspondent Kerr Simmons went to Zepspol, surrounded by a significant Russian military presence, given its home to the Russian Navy's Black Sea Fleet in a live segment, admitted that it's not at all realistic Zelensky and Ukrainian forces can ever hope to take Crimea. This is especially, at the, um, this is especially as the people there view themselves as Russian. If you don't know what happened here or 
if you don't know about what ethno-nationalism is, if you don't know how history works, it looks confusing because you heard Don Lemon and say, or Anderson Cooper, and his, he's spinning constantly in 360. He's, he's telling you, uh, you know, what, what's happening based off of what the intelligence community wants you to believe. But if you understand how this works, then, yeah, it just seems, and this has seemed to me for years since this was annexed by Russia because they voted it in. Um, this is the closest that any U.S. news crew has gotten to the Russian Black Sea Fleet in many years. He explained that Vladimir Putin will be determined to defend that port, to not have it take not have it taken away. He may well do pretty much anything to achieve that. And then this, this is off of uh, Twitter. David Sachs says, "Breaking NBC News, MSNBC concedes that Zelensky's goal of retaking Crimea is unrealistic and dangerous." Yes. And I want to just scroll down to this tweet from Max Blumenthal in here. Uh, it says, but it appears that the NBC correspondent, once he was on the ground in place for, um, uh, in a place for Western reporters and the few that Western reporters ever venture, couldn't deny that the plain truth he was seeing all around him. NBC told Americans the truth about Crimea for the first time, and its reporter wound up on the Ukrainian government's kill list, along with several other U.S. citizens, journos, clergy, and even children. Will NBC now report on the list? Will press freedom groups denounce it? Yeah, this is on Max Blumenthal's Twitter. And Max Blumenthal's of the left, but an anti-war guy, and uh, has had some interesting documentaries. So this is the stuff that isn't covered. So if you oppose this, it's just like Zelensky had his opposition arrested, shutting down the press, um, shutting down opposition. That's why the elites love war. The war gives you, you know, you get the patriotic fever, people that, oh, you, you're with, you're either with us or you're with the terrorist. And then you get the um, us or them mentality. And that's why the Secretary of State for Abraham Lincoln supposedly had a bell on his desk, Seward, right? He had a bell on his desk and of which he could ring and have somebody arrested. He could just ring the bell and they would have somebody arrested. They arrested congressmen, a journalist in the Civil War, you know, Lincoln, the great emancipator, put people in jail. And that's what war does. It allows you to allow powers to the state. It's the health of the state. Just wanted you guys to see that because the mainstream media uh, accidentally <laughs> walked into the truth. Um, they don't normally do that. I think he will be reprimanded. Um, he's going to lose his access to uh, to the headquarters of the Central Intelligence Agency, I'm sure. His talking points won't won't arrive with uh, with uh, chocolates anymore. He won't get he won't get any prizes for his reading of the of the network news. That's <laughs> uh so we got about uh, 13 minutes or so, 14 minutes. Um, let's do some more stories here. And then I'll get to uh, gold and silver prices. All right, so there's two stories on, on COVID-1984. Because this is still going on. It's the, ne- it's the never-ending story. I feel like Treyu. We should just uh, <laughs> should ride the big dog, big flying white dog into the studio. Uh, Beans would be mad at that, though. Uh, So I probably shouldn't do that. 
Um, UK, this is uh, summit.new. A UK considered mandating killing all pets and cats to stop COVID. UK health authorities considered ordering the euthanization of all pets, cats in the country. All, all pet cats. I thought it was plural. All, all pet cats in the country during the first COVID outbreak. Uh, it has been revealed. Ex-Deputy Health Minister Lord James Bethel made the admission while trying to argue that government was caught unawares in how to respond to the virus, remarking, we shouldn't forget how little we understood about the disease. Well, yeah, it's the invisible enemy. You know, you have those uh, videos out of Wuhan, China and other places where people like falling over and like is puking blood and well, they were they had like hundreds of thousands of bots on social media saying, "Oh, my so and so just died. You're so horrible," you know. And then you try to find out who they are, and they're just like the most generic, cardboard cutout type of a person you could ever see. And they had this going, and this it you know that they ramped up the fear. All the nations bought into it, lockstep, just like the Rockefeller document. Everybody gets on board, and uh, I don't know how many how much these lackeys actually knew. But then you fast forward to our, our country and all the people that are telling you, you wear your mask, you know, stay away from your children, stay in the house, just watch Netflix and whatever other type of, you know, softcore pedophilia stuff that they put on there uh, is good for your mind. And uh, that's what they put out. And they said, you know, stay and just don't get any vitamin D. We don't because it's the most. But those same people were just caught maskless. You know, going out into public, uh, going to the the French Laundry uh, restaurant like Newsom, and you know Nancy Pelosi getting her hair did up nice and everything, just not wearing a mask. They, it's 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 tough to tell how much they knew, but they definitely didn't. They were just reading a script. Um, but then you get people like this, uh, obviously uh, buying into it in some in some degree because they were getting ready to to kill your cat. Um, there was a moment we were very unclear about whether domestic pets could transmit the disease, he said. In fact, there was an idea at the moment that we might have to ask the public to exterminate all the cats in Britain. Can you imagine what would have happened if we had wanted to do that? Well, I imagine a lot of people would have complied, uh, kind of like here in this country. You know, the, in Great Britain, you had that disheveled moron with his stupid hair. You had Boris Johnson, you know, like just how far we've fallen <laughs> as, as English speaking people. I guess if that's if he qualifies as that um, people like, oh, he's with us. Boris is going to get us out of the EU. No, he didn't. He's going to get us out of Brexit. He's going to get us into Brexit. No. Because we had the other guy. And they both kind of look alike, right? Two disheveled people with weird hair. Um, <laughs> it is fit. It is kind of funny how that that uh, flows, isn't it? Um, Bethel claimed that for a moment there was a bit of evidence around the idea after a Siamese cat became the first in Britain to contract COVID nineteen, but the plan was closed down fairly quickly. You know, they did. They they had the same argument. Um. And there's a there's a great contrast to this story too. I know I'm not supposed to have a memory. Um, the powers that be don't like that that I can remember things. But I, this is 2015. You had the uh, the the Ebola scare. The guy comes over and lands in Dallas. I was in Dallas at the time. Um, 
the nurse that has contact with the Ebola patient. I think she tested positive. Anyway, they wanted to destroy the, the dog that she was with and all the other stuff. You had the same guy, uh, Jenkins, the judge there at that time was telling everybody, don't worry about it. It's okay. We're not going to have to do anything to the dog. We're not going to have to do anything. There's nothing to worry about, and you should just go about, about your lives. You know, it's all good here in Dallas. Everybody's going to be fine. You know why they were saying that? Because the Ebola was was brought here by somebody who's not from here. That was brought in by an immigrant, and that's bad. You can't say that somebody got sick from somebody overseas. And Ebola, by the way, would be something to take serious. That's like a 70% kill rate. I mean, it's not like the flu uh, where you have, a, you know, or whatever, you know, this, whatever you're calling COVID. It's not like the coronavirus where you're, you know, as long as you have a functioning immune system, probably going to be okay. A 70% kill rate. But back then, that same judge who later locked people down and shut people down and mandated they go to jail for trying to open their businesses so they could cut hair and feed their family, right? That same judge was saying, don't worry about Ebola, but do worry about this new thing um, because it's politically expedient that we all believe in it. Can you all get around and worship the fear? By the way, the Greeks did that. The Greeks worshiped fear. Alexander the Great worshiped Phobos. He'd sacrifice a big bull to it for the battle. It's the god of fear. <laughs> this is, in this article, um, cat owners were told not to kiss their pets and observe <laughs> observe very careful hygiene. Um, yeah, th we're not far away from. I mean, most people. I mean, you would agree. Um, would probably go along with that in the west we've been so anesthetized with popular culture and uh you know just compliance compliance is a virtue the school system um but you know there's a there's a sign up on my cabin and it says beware of dog and the reason i put that there is because if you come inside to my house and you hurt my dog i'm gonna wear your head as a hat like, cause that's that you asked me to hurt one of my pets because of your stupid made up thing. <laughs> no, I can read, you know, it's funny at the time when we were talking about like all this fear and stuff. And I was like, you know, about, about three or four months into it, I go, everybody take out your phone, look through your phone. Cause most people have, you know, a couple hundred con uh, contact. I have a ton of contacts. Find somebody with that disease. Did anybody die of it? Is there anybody in your phone? And that first year, nobody. It wasn't until they introduced the real bioweapon. You guys know what I'm talking about. It wasn't until 2021. And you can actually see the charts. You can see the real-time statistics happen right at that, that moment, that jump from 2020 into 2021. I don't know. We live in, we live in the, clown, the clown world order. And uh, let's do some gold and silver prices as I close out. Uh, I had one other article I just won't have time to get to. Oh, let's do let's do this one real quick, and then I'll do gold and silver price. This was fun. Uh, the Babylon Bee. <laughs> Ohio area turtles develop sudden interest in pizza and martial arts. <laughs> and a bizarre development 
Turtles around Ohio have reportedly been spotted hanging around pizza parlors and practicing a wide variety of martial arts. Quote, I'm telling you, the turtles could talk, said local woman Alicia Hill, who claimed to have seen a turtle emerge from the sewer. He asked, he asked me, which way to the pizza parlor? <laughs> ran away doing random front flips. I know what I saw. I'm pretty sure he shouted cowabunga. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, I probably shouldn't even laugh at that. It's, um, I don't know. It's, uh, you get the, the combat veteran humor. I'm sorry. The, the, the dark sense of humor that I have, ladies and gentlemen, as we close out this, uh, Friday transmission. Sorry about that. But, uh, if you don't laugh, you will cry. Well, let's do gold and silver prices for the reason I'm I'm betting against the build back better Biden Bills above Baphomet Bilderberg Bankster bunch. All right, the yellow metal today, 1,854 Luciferian Bankster notes make a troy ounce of gold, 1,854 Federal Reserve fiat fake notes, fake dollars, fake money. Back by nothing, uh, gets you an ounce of gold in our current manufactured reality. Uh, silver, $21.24 for the white metal. Absolutely cheap, absolutely on purpose, and an absolute opportunity, I believe, uh, for you to get involved with a little bit of silver. All right. And, uh, of course, we're brought to you by WiseWolfGoldAndSilver.com uh, and Wolfpack.Gold. Learn about our monthly membership program. We're building something there. Come join the pack. And everybody who joins, you make the pack stronger. Everybody gets better deals. We've got hundreds of members now all over the country. I have a very, very, very small cancellation rate. I mean, almost not even noticeable because once you get into it, if you can budget it out, it's a great way to get medals. We pick it for you. Wolfpack.gold. Uh, in a world of bulls and bears, be the wolf. I have other things I need to, to advertise and I need to... Um, to plug i just didn't do so uh, but i appreciate all you guys we'll talk about it next time on the podcast go subscribe to the podcast anywhere podcasts are found uh, Arterburn radio transmission or paratruther okay uh beans the brave gives her best we'll be back next week you guys take care of each other end of transmission <laughs>